Welcome to French Legal, where we explore innovation in action. I'm your host, Abhijat Sarasmith, and in each episode, we dive into conversations with changemakers who share ideas, insights, and lessons from their journey. Join us as we put theory into practice and shed light on the world of innovation like never before. I'm excited to have a repeat company and not repeat guest this time, the good folks from Uplevel Ops. A year or so ago, I spoke to Sumi about how to help legal teams, in-house teams, leverage technology. That was pre the wildness that is generative AI since the launch of ChatGPT. So I wanted to have Steph and Brandy on the show to talk about their experiences, what they found with their clients, and they've launched a consulting service all around generative AI. So I'm sure they've had hundreds of conversations that we can all learn from. So Firstly, Steph, Brandy, thank you so much for joining me today. Of Thanks course. for having us. Yeah. All right. And Brandy, if you don't mind kicking us off, tell us first, you're new to Fringe Legal and the community. Tell us a little bit about how did you get to be here and your background, and then let's sure. dive straight into the world of generative AI and law. Sure. No problem. Early on in my career, I actually worked with Steph at Hewlett Packard. I worked in the legal IT department. We worked together. She was my boss. She was awesome. And then I took this kind of weird detour where I left legal ops and I went into the wine business. So I actually ran a winery for 15 years. I live in Napa. So that was really fun. And then after the 2008 crash, we decided to wind things down because it just got really stressful. And I went and worked for a large beverage corporation called Constellation Brands. And one of the things every single job I've ever had, I just gravitated towards the operations and I you know, it doesn't matter what my job title is. I'm like, we need to do this better. So that's my bread and butter. And I was looking to make a change and I happened to, to reconnect connect with Steph and she told me, hey, we're looking for someone. Would you be interested in coming in and working at Uplevel? So the timing was perfect. So I came on board. Actually, my one year anniversary was a couple of days ago. And about a week after I started at Uplevel, my husband is actually a software engineer and I came home one night and he told me, hey, this thing just dropped out of the sky. We had no idea what it was. He was like, our team has been told to stop working on everything we're doing. And just this is it. This is what we're going to be doing. And we, we didn't know what it was. So basically, we, he was told just to mess around with it, right? See what it can do. And we didn't know at the time, but it was GPT-4. I got access to it roughly a year ago. And this was before ChatGPT. And we spent the next several weeks, that's basically all we did was mess around with this thing. And it's really hard to communicate to people how, what an impact that has on you and what a big deal that is when this thing comes out of nowhere with no context and you didn't have ChatGPT to get in there gradually. And our minds were just blown. I seriously remember rolling on the ground. I remember laughing hysterically. Like we were just like losing our minds over this thing just trying to wrap our brains around it. And from the very beginning, we could just immediately see this was going to just change the world. And I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, but literally we'd sit there, we're like, the world is going to change. This is absolutely insane. And if you're interested later, I can tell you a couple of funny stories about kind of things that we discovered oh, during this sure. process that were interesting. And I think just on that, I think just reflecting on your journey, and probably we can have a whole other episode about moving from in-house to a wine business and, and back. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. we'll, we'll leave that alone for today. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned a lot of what you're focused on generally has been how to make things better. And oh boy, like this, right. this generative AI and large language models, certainly my view, 
they it feels like you get superpowers right if you especially yes. if you know how to I don't even want to say harness them correctly but if you just mm -hmm. use it regularly enough so yeah it's and, amazing and I couldn't talk to anybody about it so my husband had his whole team they were all going through this together I had to keep it a secret so I was secretly <laughs> <laughs> and my productivity was just like it was crazy and I just knew I I was like, I can't tell anybody about it, but I knew this was going to be huge. And I knew I had to start positioning us as a thought leader in this space with AI. And I needed to learn as much as possible as I could about the technology. So I'm not a programmer, but I went as deep as I could on understanding the technology. And I went to Steph and the team and I was like, hey, I think we should be focused on AI because it's so interesting. And they rolled their eyes and we were like, oh, AI, okay. They had no, they all they thought of was this sort of like last generation AI that was such a disappointment, oversold. But they were nice. They were like, that's fine. If you want to go do that's great. And I started writing some articles about it. And then once it launched, we were in a really good position and we had a really good understanding of kind of what was going on. I think before a lot of other firms did. Yeah. And Steph, I think that's probably a good time. What's your view? So you didn't have the a year head start with GPT-4 or any other version. And yeah, like probably many others in law, I'm sure you've experienced different AI tools and all sorts of subcategories, all the way from chatbots to expert systems and machine learning tools. But and I'm not saying they're not useful. They have their utility, but they're not as generally applicable. And certainly, at least in my view, they're not as easy to get used to and to play around with, to brandy use your word. And I think the journey with chat GPT for most people begins with asking pretty stupid questions and trying to get it to create poems and raps and songs and all these I other do. things before you, yeah, before you get into how can I actually use this for work? So Anyway, yeah, what was your, what was your, and what has been your view into learning this a bit more? Obviously you and the company has changed your views on it for sure. And you're, I don't want to say going all in and don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're certainly diving in headfirst into it. Yes, I come at it from a point of view of every other legal ops manager who's dealt with all kinds of shifts in the legal tech landscape, right? So exactly like you said, uh, we were disenchanted is the wrong word, but certainly maybe a little let down by the how we, the practical uses of the first generation of AI, right? And so when we consult with our clients, the vast majority of them, we were saying, don't, it, it's really not an appropriate tool for you. How you can get the benefit of it is through your service providers, right? So if you use alternative legal service providers to do contract review, great. That's a great use case. Or certainly e-discovery and investigations, great use case. And you're starting to see some of these contract, the meta-tagging abilities and some of these contract tools were very becoming pretty sophisticated. But for your average legal department, you know, certainly the ones we're servicing, it, it was just not the best use of their technology dollars. They just didn't have the volume to do the training and certainly the maintenance of these systems. 
So when Brandy came to me and started talking about this, I was a little skeptical and tried to tone her down a little bit, which we both have some funny stories about. Brand- you see how energetic I'm overly Brandy. enthusiastic, if you can't tell. I'm- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's so great. But my whole team, we've all been doing this for 20 plus years. And so when Brandy comes to the team meeting and says, hey, this great new AI tool is out. Everybody did an eye roll and said, okay, the bloom is still on the rose with Brandy, right? She hasn't seen everything yet. And so we were a little bit more skeptical. So even when we finally got access to this tool, because it was now public. So we, the, the general public had access to chat GPT. Brandy had another version that her husband built out for her right. as well to you. We named it Kiki. Yeah. We named it Kiki. <laughs> and, um, and so we had access to these systems. Honestly, I didn't even know where to begin, yeah. like what to ask it. So exactly like you just said, Brandy's ask it anything. I'm like, okay, my my toe hurts and my shoulder hurts. Are they connected? Like just asking these stupid random questions because you don't, you can't conceive of what these types of tools can do. Right? You know, we had no idea what the art of the possible was with these new systems. And so then when we started using it practically for our work, like Brandy Mm -hmm. was saying here, she's like writing playbooks and and SOPs. And we're like, wow, she's coming up with this stuff so quickly. How? And then I started using it for if I was giving a talk, what are the main talking points? I'm doing a a talk on XYZ. What are the main talking points I should cover? And then all of a sudden you start seeing the practical applications for these things. And of course, it's not, they're not perfect. They're, if you're using these public systems like ChatGPT, they definitely require massaging. I've had to rewrite everything that I've gotten out of there, but it's what a great way to start, right? Mm-hmm. To have a starting point saves hours of time. Um, and that was when I really started to see the power when I was really just trying to get talking points and ideas for those types yeah. of things. And in the beginning, yeah. people just didn't have access to GPT-4. And I did. And I just told Steph, we need to be using it, right? And the way that we were able to get the team to use it is they really didn't want everything to do with it in the beginning is we set up a formal request yeah. process and a, we set up a, a program to manage it. And so we on Slack, we had a Slack channel where people can Slack me AI requests. I take that request. I have about, back then I only had one system, but I have about five or six systems now. So I look at the request, which system is going to be best to get this information. And then we have a Dropbox where we put that, I get the content, I put it in the Dropbox, and then everyone has access to it. And I think that the change, people maybe don't think about the change management that is required around bringing these systems into your team. Not everybody's going to want to learn how to use the systems and not everyone is going to be good at using them. And so you really want to have someone on the team who knows how to do prompt engineering, who can also just keep an eye on the general use, like what are the tools that we're using and know which tools are best for which things. So, for example, some stuff you don't want to put into ChatGPT because it's a security risk. So I think that's really important. And we learned this organically just going through this in our own team. And I think it it captures an important point, which one thing generally, and Steph, you touched on it, I think this sort of empty room, ask me anything, the world is your oyster, as wonderful as that sound, it's a double-edged sword because most people, they don't know what the capabilities are, what the limits can be. And for better or for worse, they don't also have the creativity initially without any guardrails, any guidance on 
how should I ask? What kinds of things you should ask? And I think it certainly hurts the hurts the output. And then second, which I'm going to make a slightly controversial statement only to get a reaction and just we can have a discussion around it, <laughs> is I don't think majority of the people care about AI. I don't think they do. As Brandy, as you said, people mm-hmm. don't really care about how you're solving the problem. There are some, and you and I are definitely in there because I share your level of excitement. You and have that look in your eyes, this. I see it. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> Deranged you know, where, AI look. Where, where I sit there and I watch all the different LLMs that are open source and stuff and like how they're performing, experimenting with different mm-hmm. systems that are being released and watching GitHub repos and all of these things. Most people couldn't care less, right? They just want to be able to say, great, Brandy has found some sort of superpower in, through which she can now turn around SOPs and playbooks overnight. So all I want to know is what kinds of things are possible so I can just send her tons of requests, uh, whether it's through a Slack channel, email, or some other format. I, I don't know. Do you guys agree or disagree with that? I don't think that's a controversial statement yeah, at I agree all. I think too. that it's probably not realistic to say, hey, we're going to take every lawyer on the planet and turn them into a superstar prompt engineer. It It's just not going to happen. That being said, I think what we ended up doing was using our team and how their, I won't say their slow adoption of this because it was very quick when you look at everything else, but to Brandy, it was too slow, I but to everybody, basically. <laughs> yeah, Brandy forced it on us. Here's a team of people who really like technology. They love the concept of technology. They love the concept of defining better ways of doing things. They're open to new things, right? It's a whole team of people who this is what we do for a living, yet they were a little hesitant, right? And so it was an interesting kind of case study of, okay, here's people who are definitely open to trying new things, but even they're they're taking a minute to figure out how to do that. And so we use this model of, okay, how did our team adopt it? When did they see the light? And how is it, and how and where is it saving time? And I'll let Brandy talk about that specifically on our team. And then we turn that into the model for our consulting line because we knew, okay, if we're having struggles here, this is how legal departments are going to struggle with it. And what are some of the ways that we can encourage them to? adopt it in not only safe ways, but also slow, just like we do everything else, right? You get a couple of people on board who are interested and then you win them over. And just like Brandy did with us, right? She's, you know what, let me turn that SOP around. And she was able to do it overnight. And we're thinking, my God, she worked all night on this, but she didn't. And yeah. and then when she explains how it's done, then people, she started to draw people in pretty quickly. And, and then again, using that model to build out this service line and some best practices around building that library and, uh, yeah. and all of that. Yeah. The prompting is, I think, the most critical piece. And it is weird how you sit in front of the system that can do anything and you can't think of anything to put in right. there. What we are doing is we're generating a, a starter prompt engineering library for people. And this is something every company should do who, if they, you have someone who's interested, who wants to learn how to be a good prompt engineer, and I'm talking on the user side, I'm not talking on as like a programmer prompt engineer, but just yeah. on the user side, they need to basically document their prompts. They need to figure out, so it'll give you ideas for what you can use it for, and you can actually take it, cut and paste stuff into ChatGPT, and then it will give you follow-up prompts, and then once you get a sense of the different types of things it can do, then you can think of other things that are specific to your business and customized to you. And then you add those to this document. If your prompt engineer leaves the team, then you have this documented for the next person who comes in. So I think that's really important. 
the other thing that I think is one of the most valuable things that we have right now is we have and we've been tracking every single legal tech company that's been incorporating generative AI functionality into their products. I think we're up to maybe almost 70 at this point. And most of most it's small ways at this point, right? They haven't had time to build out a lot of sure. some companies have that had early access, but others haven't built it out that much. But we also we categorized it by product type and then we built out these use cases. So we have all these use cases. And so what we can do is if we have someone come to us who want who's I want generative AI, we can do an assessment for them. And then these vendors are matched to these use cases and we can say, hey, you want these use cases. These are the vendors you need to look at. And it's going to be a really powerful tool for us to help people get what they need and use it the way that's most useful for them. Because there's yeah. so many things you can do with it. It's just crazy. Yeah. And I, I would add to the first point around the prompting, a couple of reasons you want to document that. A, as the underlying models change, so as OpenAI develops mm -hmm. GPT 4.x, they have updates every couple of weeks and so on. And the other way, which makes it easier now, is it, in one of the recent updates, they allowed you to be able to share chats, right? Which allow you to now give people something which you've crafted. So again, like I'm stealing your approach fully, which is you're doing the hard part and giving mm -hmm. people, this is how you communicate with the model. I've built in the foundation bits to it. So it's not really fine tuning, but it's cheating the system a little bit in, in some ways. And just sharing that to someone so they can click continue chat in their own account and getting a lot more from it. And that's really interesting. I'm curious, as you speak to clients, what's that been like? And Steph, I'm going to pick on you because I imagine their initial reactions and the conversations you have, that's ring fence since to 2023. So from January until now, has it been similar kind of reactions? Like, yeah, we're going to wait and see what happens. I know there's a, a lot of buzz around this. It's another hype cycle to people actually using it. And of course, we've seen all the numbers around hundreds of millions of users in the first month and so on. But yeah, curious how those conversations initially started and how they're going now. Yeah, and I would love to dig in on those numbers too to understand if people are using it for more personal things or work-related things and certainly what percentage are lawyers <laughs> because honestly, I think people are still slower to adopt, but I do think it's going to be a lot faster than other technologies that we've seen in this space. So it's not, we've been getting 20 calls a day saying, okay, come in right now and teach us how to use chat GPT. The conversations instead are more around, hey, what tools should I be looking at that are going to be incorporating this? So I think when I talked earlier about how we would often tell clients, look for service providers or tools that are building it in so that you don't have to do this as a separate kind of technology, I think that their heads are still there, honestly. And I think that's okay. Certainly that's okay in many respects, right? Because we are going to see these tools incorporating large language models for contracting, I think is a no-brainer, right? And so I think they will get benefits from just purchasing systems that are really implementing, like Brandy said, she's keeping a whole database. We're evaluating these tools. So that's a good way. But I do think that there's so much more to be done in-house just in day-to-day -day operations using these tools. So that's where I go from, okay, old AI, just use the service providers or tech that's doing it versus this new technology. Fine, look for the technology. And in fact, I had one client who said to me, I'm not even going to be looking at technology providers who aren't 
somehow looking at how mm-hmm. they can build this in. She is convinced that every tech provider is just going to mm-hmm. become obsolete if they're not if they're not working this into their platform. And so I think people are getting there, but I think that they're probably at the place where we were six months ago, honestly, in that they just don't know what to do with it yet. I think they're concerned about security, using Mm -hmm. ChatGPT, how we touched on. And and I think, frankly, there aren't a lot of tech providers yet who are case techs being the one, I think, who's way ahead of the game that Thomson Reuters is looking at partnering with. But I think that the other tech providers are still, they're definitely integrating on the fringe app to to use a, a pun there with you. But I think that they haven't, it's not totally fully baked in yet to most platforms. And so we're really still in the very, very nascent stages of it. But I do think there's so much to be done in-house just in basic memo drafting Mm. and summarizing. Look, GCs, how they come to us is they say, we need to be better partners to our clients. They don't come to us and say, we need to use AI. How do we do that? Just to your earlier point of they don't care how it's done. They just want to do it. And so GCs come to us and they say, we want to be proactive. We want to talk in in business terms. We want to talk like the other business leads. What do I need to do? And they need data and they need to get it not be putting out fires. They need to be proactive business partners, right? And part of the way they can do that is by leveraging these large language models where they're actually understanding, okay, new regulations came out. What does this mean for their businesses, right? And so they can do this very quickly with these tools designed specifically for legal. Mm -hmm. And then they can do other things, just knowledge programs in some of the other basic tools that are already out there and free, actually, and available to them now. And I think that we're they're just starting to dip their toes into understanding how they can use these systems and how they can start to leverage them. And like Brandy was saying earlier, it is a tool that will build on itself, right? So you'll use it for one thing. Oh, you'll draft a memo on what this new regulation means. And then you'll see, oh, wow, this is such a time saver. This is incredible. And what else can I use it for? Unfortunately, people will use it for stupid things. We've seen that already. And so that will have law is that our industry is so conservative. And so they're loving necessarily doing things in different ways. And so they're going to see that and they're going to be like, oh, see, I told you. So this is just something we need. So that kind of stuff slows it down, I think. But for the GCs who are very interested in finding ways to leverage their teams better and they don't have a ton of bodies to throw work at. This is such a great time saver, and they are interested in figuring out ways that they can leverage these types of tools better. And I wonder, Randy, if we think about your database, which I I think it's a great initiative anyway, and in itself is probably worth someone having a conversation with both of you. I wonder if you also track the maturity of the tools, because taking out, probably I can count on one hand, mature tools that have truly used this as a foundational basis for what they're doing. And not to say that everyone needs to, yeah. but as putting myself in the vendor shoe, if the conversations that I'm having as a vendor, which I've had, are, we need you to have a strategy for how you're going to incorporate this. Exactly. Well, almost no yeah. one I've spoken to requires me to have an answer right here, right now, and to give them a roadmap on how we're going to deliver against this in the next quarter or even this year. But they want to make sure that at least you're thinking about it, at least you're thinking about whether it's customer facing or in the back end, how you could, it's like any technology. If people, when cloud computing came out, if you didn't have a strategy for how you could 
move your data to the cloud eventually because mm-hmm. of latencies and every all the other benefits that, that it offers. It's ludicrous. But that, that process took 10 years. Maybe this will take two, but it's certainly not going to be an it's overnight gonna, thing. It's going to be faster because the technology is moving so fast. Yeah. We have had vendors start to reach out to us and they're saying, hey, what do your clients need? Mm-hmm. What are some use cases? Like, how should we be incorporating this? And we are letting them know that with our new service line, if you don't dip your toe in in some way and have some use case on our spreadsheet, we can't recommend you. And once you get one piece of functionality set up, it's really easy to expand it out. It just takes time, right? A lot of these vendors, what we're seeing, yeah, is they're doing like a little Microsoft Word plugin or we're doing this little thing here, right? So it's nothing that's super groundbreaking at this point, except for case text is the one exception because they had almost a year head start on everyone else, right? And one actually interesting piece of information is that OpenAI actually worked with 12 different companies up front and gave them early access to GPT-4. They didn't know it was GPT-4, but they said, hey, here, work with this. You've got eight months to come up with something to release. Mm-hmm. And out of those 12 companies, Case Text is, has done the most advanced implementation and is the heaviest user of GPT-4 out of those companies. They're not just advanced in legal, they're advanced in every single industry. So you're looking at medical, education, all the main fields. Mm -hmm. The way that they're leveraging the technology is very advanced. And I think eventually, after we get out of this kind of like Wild West period, I think Mm -hmm. the vendors that are going to be successful are going to probably mimic what Case Text is doing and the sort of this legal AI assistant that sort of just lays on top of all these different sort of processes and just brings them all together, right? And creates kind of a web. I think that's going to be, in my opinion, the future. But the other vendors just need time to catch up. They're just behind because case had a head start. And I do think we and probably a number of other people, it still feels like a bubble to me, at least how fast Mm -hmm. things are going. I'm not saying that this is not a thing that's going to continue. I've found uses for um, both ChatGPT and leveraging the API through OpenAI and other models. But if I speak to friends and colleagues and coworkers who aren't spending probably what seems like hours every day just learning about what's new, it, it still is interesting. And Steph, to your point from earlier, I would love to see the, the churn rate and the adoption data from OpenAI and how many people go back for the second, third, fourth time. It's something I, I log into ChatGPT probably every single day. I can't say that's the case for most people. And it's not because it's complicated. It's, it's still I, that I, empty room problem. I, I use it instead of Google, honestly, mm-hmm. for many things. Or being, I don't being, know if that's being, being, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. In fact, like you, I log in every single day. It's, I actually have it as a tab that automatically opens on my browser and and we were looking at venues for an mm-hmm. event coming up and everybody on my team said, what about this place? And what about this place? So I just put it in a chat GPT mm-hmm. and it came up with, I said, I want it to be funky and fun. And it, it just comes up with better answers. Yeah. I know it's not meant to be a search engine per se, but it knows it, it's able to determine these, mm-hmm. is, especially when you're looking for something very specific, it, it seems to be able to pull nope the search is better One than caveat with that yeah. is if you do use it for research you just have to validate that yeah, it's correct right. so you know it's not hallucinating right. something yeah. exactly <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah. but and i guess just in as we i'm conscious of time 
Randy, you co-authored an article in about the law recently, I want to say this mm-hmm. week, and I've got it in front of me highlighted and I've got also some notes on it, but I think the title is probably in itself a useful jumping off point is elevating the human experience, how Gen AI transforms mm-hmm. legal workflow automation. So yeah. I don't think we have to talk too much about the elevating the human experience. I think the previous 15, 20 minutes of this conversation supports that. Yeah, um, I'm curious on why and what the connection is to you in terms of connecting it to legal workflow automation. And sure. the reason I ask that question is, I don't disagree with you for what it's worth, but the reason I'm asking that question is that basically puts the Gen AI tools as a almost like an assistive technology to an existing system, whether it's CLM, whether it's ERPs or whatever else it might be. Is that how you're thinking about it at the moment? Yes, I'm thinking about it in terms of, you've probably heard of like the independent agents and using Mm -hmm. generative AI as independent agents. And I know workflow is something that's considered cool in legal tech and oh, it's really useful, but I know it's a lot of work to get these things set up and map all your processes out. I think workflow is going to be front and center. I think everything is going to go out from workflow. The independent agents are, if if people don't know what that is, so basically you're using generative AI in a way where you have a generative AI agent that's a managing agent. And what you can do is you can give it a general objective. You don't have to give it step-by-step instructions. You give it a general objective. And you give it tools to use. You, This generative AI managing agent can access software. So it can actually tap into APIs and drive software independently. It can do network calls to get information on its own. And then what some vendors are doing is they're creating these AI agent sort of workers. And this managing AI agent will control these worker agents. So you basically have a whole team of AI working together, being managing its own processes. So if you think about that and you extrapolate, that is workflow, right? This is basically going yeah. to be generative AI-enabled workflow that will be able to connect CLM. It's going to be able to connect all these sort of typically siloed product categories are all of a sudden going to be... Oh, and the other thing I was missing is your chat AI, right? right. Your chat AI is your interface with the user that walks you through these processes, that that takes information from the user and then spits the information back out to the user, right? So all of these independent agents in the most advanced generative AI systems right now, that is how they're operating on the back end. And that's what the vendors are setting up. Um, And so when you look at that, like I said, I think you don't have to think about it too much to see that it's going to swallow everything up at some point. And that's why I think in the future, we're just going to see a bunch of general AI legal assistance things. These products are going to just expand out with their capabilities to the point where that's what they are. And I think it's just going to be the wild west for a while. And hyper-competitive in the legal tech space. So I think that's why vendors are starting to reach out and they're like, wow, I feel like I really need to get my foot in the door. And they do. If they wait too long, they're going to, they're just not going to have time to catch up, I think. Yeah. And just to give people an example, just because agent sounds both slightly dodgy and also (laughs) scary in some ways. Um, Think of the agent, A, in terms of how you get access to most of these, it is, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but most of them are very technical and you need, you definitely need understanding of what you're doing, right? Uh, and there are front ends too many of them and it's improving so rapidly. But generally speaking, you're essentially think of it as a, a junior employee who exactly. you are giving instructions to with a exactly. set of tools. You're like, 
here's a laptop. It has a couple of things that our company, our organization has access to. I want you to go do X. And X could be go and research a competitor. It could be to research a category. It could be Steph has a talk coming up. Here's the title of it. Write a couple of talking points and a script for her opening. And it will go and find the information. And the key thing is you don't have to keep interrupting it. It will just execute and execute until it gets to the goal and the task and churns out the output. Exactly. Yeah. And you can even have it monitor monitor mm-hmm. these news stories. And if there's yeah. something that you think I should know about, research it and give me that information. You could have a loop like that, right? It's just endless, the kind of use cases for that scenario. Mm-hmm. There, There is a tool which may, we probably shouldn't talk about in depth now because it's probably too technical, but this it's called Camel. This libraries for this. There's a Python program that I've been using with these independent agents, which is Totally blowing my mind. Like I'm yeah. obsessing about we'll, we'll it. Keep, we'll keep that for part two. And then but yes, for part I, two, you, you, you and I can <laughs> nerd out about talk it. Talk about sure. that. Yeah, um, but, but um, they will get more. They will get more user yeah. friendly, right? Oh, so that's sure. what I think. So the average, yes, people who have a, a brandy on the team can leverage these and these tools and get the benefit. But just for the our, us mere mortals, right? We it, it'll well, be great to be able to use natural language to say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. You and know? and in addition, the other implication of independent agents is you're automating the prompting. You, the AIs are prompting each other. So that's the next step too, is I think at some point we're not going to need to be all be like wonderful prompt engineers because mm-hmm. the, it will be set up so the AI will prompt the other AIs for you. So, yeah. yeah. So I guess in as you start wrapping up, Two, two questions. The first one, which is probably the most obvious question, especially in the context of agents, there, there will be a percentage of the listenership population, whatever you want to call it. That sounds all great and by great, ridiculously scary. And at what point, whether I'm super junior or senior, at what point do these agents displace me from my role? And I say displace rather than replace, because to me, you end up doing something else, hopefully. I... I it's too early to tell. That's my view on it. But I'm just curious if there's anything deeper, a deeper answer than that from either of you. Otherwise, we can move on to the other point, which is probably a bit more of a discussion. I think we have a little Brandy. bit different views, but pretty similar. I don't know. Do you yeah. want to go? Or do no, we... I, I want to go first only because I think your answer is going to be You want to preference up. what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're, we don't know is the right answer, but clearly roles will change, as you said, because I think where I think displace is exactly the right word. I think it, look, it's not gonna, we're not gonna reduce the legal field to to nothing. It's not gonna replace lawyers. But where we're gonna see differences, I think frankly are in, in law firms, especially if you needed first year law grads, if you needed a hundred of them to keep your firm going, but now you've got technology that can do these first drafts and doc review and all of that, you probably will be hiring less people, right? So I think we will see a shift there. I think we're going to see a shift in how law firms ultimately engage with and have to build their clients. And I think that's probably a, a good thing. I hope we'll see some good behavior there. And um, and I do think that we're going to see a continued shift within legal departments of the other types of legal professionals being hired. And with that, the the operational people, the paralegals, the the I hate to use the term non-lawyers because that's this is the only field that we actually use a term like that. 
But really, I think we're going to start leveraging other types of professionals to get the work done. And it could be the professionals who are managing technology like this or maintaining libraries. And, and so I do think we are going to see a shift for sure. There's no doubt in my mind, but I would just preface whatever Brandy's going to say with, we just, we honestly don't know yet what that's going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's actually what I was going to say is very similar to what you said. I think a hundred percent, there's going to be less hiring in the future in certain categories of, of legal jobs, right? Because they're going to be automated, right? But I don't think there's going to be some mass layoffs of, okay, we don't need people anymore because we've got AI. That's not, it's not going to happen like that. What I want to press upon people is that the people who are going to be able to keep their jobs are the ones who embrace the technology, who are using it. If you have two employees, one of them is a prompt engineer, one of them is not, and they're doing the same job, you're... The person who knows how to use AI is not going to be the one who's fired. It's going So if you're worried about it, if you're worried about losing your job, embrace it. And you will see, I guarantee people will see that their jobs are more fun. The I have never laughed so hard using this technology. It's just a joy. It, researching with it, I have fun brainstorming with it. I have fun summarizing data with it. It's just fun to use. And so I hope people will not see it as such this horrible existential threat that's going to take all our jobs. I think it's going to be more positive than negative. But the reality is, I think moving forward, as Steph said, there's going to be less hiring of certain types of people into the legal field because those jobs will be automated. That's, uh, I think, not at question. I just don't see a future where that's not happening. And it's going to happen in a lot of different fields, not just legal. You think about mathematics, right? You, yes, we can all sit with a pen and paper. Not all of us, most of us can and, and <laughs> calculate things out. But why? If you have a calculator, right? It just doesn't make sense. And I think at the end of the day, like you're saying, Brandy, I think embracing this technology and leveraging it so that you're getting the most out of it is really the way to future proof your role. Yeah. And if you need a dose of excitement and enthusiasm about it, then I think definitely go speak to Randy. Come speak to me. (laughs) We we will will fix you up. No problem. (laughs) And then as as we start wrapping up, I I guess a a rapid fire kind of question for me. Someone comes to you and they are, they're like, great, I'm in. They work, they're a GC, they're part of an in-house team, something like that. Where Where should people get started? What is the one thing, if there is one thing that you found across the board and most of the organizations you've spoken to, that if people do that one thing, they will see immediate benefit. So I'm thinking sort of quick time to value. And I have an answer to this, but certainly would love to hear your thoughts on it. Are you talking about like an organization kind of ramping up with generative AI or just I want to be more productive tomorrow? What should I do kind of thing? Your choice, dealer's choice. I would say if it's an organization, my first uh, recommendation is to get policies and procedures in place and to set up a, a, a program to manage the technology, right? I think that's the best first step to safely and most effectively use it in your organization. If you're just a person who wants to, I want to improve my productivity tomorrow, check out ChatGPT, check out Microsoft Designer, check out Dolly. If you really want to see why people are getting excited, just go use, check out Fireflies, use some of these tools, right? I guarantee you will find some tool that just blows your mind. And it's our team that was very skeptical in the beginning. Each team member has found a certain type of generative AI product that they are comfortable with that kind of makes them excited that they want to learn how to use better. So our team is branching out and we have people who are good 
image prompters. I'm terrible at that. I make scary, disturbing things, but <laughs> some people on our team are great at that. I'm better at text generation, stuff like that, and that kind of prompting, like a GPT-4 or whatever. So I would say just go use, like Steph said, some of the free tools that are out there. Just go experience them and just you will see what people are talking about, right? Yeah. yeah and I would say from an organizational standpoint, if you're heading up an organization or you're interested in bringing this type of technology to your organization, you can start by asking experts. Of course, we're here, but you can also go to any of your networking groups or whatever and just start asking the questions. How are other CLOs and GCs starting to incorporate this technology? What are some of your law firms doing? Law firms have been pretty quick to start embracing this. And so call your the, your law, your top five law firms and ask them how they're using it. And then from an individual standpoint, if you find yourself at a point where you have to sit down and write something, you're opening a Word doc. I would say pause that and instead open up ChatGPT and ask the question there. And it and that's what I did, right? Like we were saying, Ab, I think the first thing I did was look up talking points. Yeah. So I, I opened up a Word doc. I was like, really going to, I knew I was going to have to sit there for an hour thinking of things. I just asked ChatGPT and it came up with all these great ideas. And of course I had to edit, but that's how you really just, if you're going to have to write something, start with one of these tools and it'll give you a great example of how you can personally use these, but in a professional way, if, if you so desire. Have it summarize something for you. Have Brandy does benchmarking reports for us all the time. Hey, summarize this benchmarking report and she'll pull out all the key data points. There's There are real ways. Mm -hmm. You're doing 30 things today that these tools could make faster. I guarantee it. Mm -hmm. You just need yeah, to sit and think about it and try it out. Yeah. Wonderful. And Brandy stole my idea. So my idea was to create <laughs> policies as an organization. All right, we're on the I same page. <laughs> um, and failing that, the second thing that you can do is just create SOPs as an organization, right? The Just being able to put some of these process maps in down really quickly is amazing. But yeah, on that, thank you so much, both of you. I know you've written a ton about this. So in the show notes, I'll include, I think it's called your AI bundle, as well as the recent article that I referenced that Brandy co-authored along with two other people and my notes and my workflow on how I got the notes because absolutely use generative AI for that. But thank you so much and a great conversation. Hopefully, Brandy, you and I can chat again and we can nerd out and I would love in to do a that. lot more technical awesome. detail. But yeah, thank you both for coming on. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank, thank you. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Fringe Legal. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey through the mind of innovators, sharing their ideas to inspire us all. If you enjoyed this conversation, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We hope these discussions have sparked your own ideas and helped you think about how you can put them into practice. Until next time, stay curious and keep pushing the boundaries.